Thanks for tuning into the Health Scientist Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Kerwin, and today I'm going to be speaking with Rebecca Nolan, otherwise known as T to Triceps. Rebecca has a degree in psychology and is a certified nutritionist with a real passion for nutrition education. In her own words, she uses her Instagram account to communicate nutrition information to anyone who will listen. Today, we're going to talk about Rebecca's background and the current state of the evidence-based nutrition movement. Let's talk science. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hello, Richie. I am fantastic. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. A uh, little bit hyper for some reason. I'm not sure. I, I haven't it's taken it. It's your, your excitement, your excitement for this conversation. <laughs> Let's put it down to that. Um, Rebecca, uh, I want to say thank you very much for joining me tonight. Um, I know that you are exceptionally busy um, and I know that you, you rushed to get home on time for this interview for which I was actually late for the, uh, the pre-talk. <laughs> uh, and I, I apologize for that. Um, so, Rebecca, just for anybody who might not be familiar with who you are, God knows who that is, um, can you give us a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and uh, what you do and what you're about, please? Okay. So, like you said, I'm Rebecca. I am at Teacher Triceps on Instagram. So, I guess um, from the Instagram perspective, um, I use my Instagram account to kind of communicate nutrition information. And I also do protein bar reviews and ice cream reviews, um, which I started doing many years ago. Um, so, I started getting into Instagram maybe like four or five years ago when I was in college. Um, I started, you know, healthy eating. I had very little nutrition knowledge, but it was kind of like um, a kind of a, an accountability thing for me um that's kind of where I started um and as I kind of progressed through um like I guess my own education in nutrition I started communicating more information about like why I'm doing certain things uh why I'm choosing particular foods people found that very interesting um my nutrition education kind of progressed I did like um, a certification in nutrition um but I never actually worked in nutrition so I kept my Instagram and my sort of studies of nutrition as a side project um while I actually progressed with my I guess my career um so I did psychology in college and out of my degree I got a job as um, a user researcher which is kind of it's it's related to psychology research um where you study people uh using technology essentially um to try and understand their behavior their needs their pain points and things like that so my i kind of have like this two-pronged life where i have this um side project where which i'm very passionate about a lot of time goes into it which is my instagram page communicating nutrition information um and then my actual like my you know, not superhero life, my background, boring job, which is um, a user experience researcher. So, yeah, that, that, that's one thing that um, uh, I think a lot of people get surprised with when, when they hear about you is that, you know, it's nutrition isn't your main gig, uh, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's your yeah. side gig. Uh, a very, very yeah. a big part of your life, though. Yeah, it's it's massive. And it's it's one of those things that like, um, so I'm very passionate about psychology. That is why I did it in college. Like I just find humans fascinating, um, pe- the way that people think, the way that people make decisions, uh, cognition. It's just so interesting. Right. Um, and when I was in college, I started weightlifting. And when I started weightlifting, I, I got quite passionate about that. I finally found like this form of exercise that I enjoyed um so I wanted to know how to eat for that form of exercise and that's kind of what led me down the nutrition route but it never took away from my love of psychology and the kind of work that I was doing in college um like I was doing this like a background of um user experience research while I was doing my degree so as part of like my studies and I really enjoyed that too and it was never like um I preferred one or over the other 
Um, but I was kind of like in this path of psychology and I just kind of wanted to stick with that. It was the more formal thing, I guess. Um, and then I guess when I finished college, I, I had always self-studied nutrition. Um, fortunately, I found like really good people to follow. So like science communicators rather than some of the more perhaps the like louder um, people in the industry who are communicating misinformation. I think the psychology background, which is like you're obviously taught how to read research and all that kind of led me down the right path. So I was fortunate in that way. But um, yeah, I guess like when I finished college and I went into my career, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to try and kind of formalize my education in nutrition on the side. Um, so I did like um, an online uh, so I did Mac Nutrition, um, which was where I met you. Um, so it was like, uh, it kind of appeals to me because it was like this evidence-based form of um, like, I guess, yeah, it was a nutrition course that was evidence-based and that was something that I was really looking for. Um, but I, again, like I, I was doing the course and I loved it. It was fantastic. But I never, like I never had thought of it as a choice of me having to pick that versus my career. I just really enjoyed it as a side project, despite it being like a lot of work and me technically like studying in my free time. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I've just, I've also just never felt like this need to work in the industry because I enjoy what I'm doing so much. I don't want to turn it into a job. And I'm so passionate, like I'm very, I'm so fortunate that what I do, like my, my full-time job, I love it. Um, I get to work with people all day. I get to do research. And that's something that I like. I'm so fortunate that I love it. Um, I've had great experiences. I get to travel a lot. And it's just like working in nutrition just doesn't appeal to me, I guess. But being a part of the industry of nutrition and kind of educating others is kind of like where I want to sit. Um, not being paid because I don't need to get paid because I've got a full time job, but kind of helping people without, I guess, the bias of me needing to gain anything from it. No, I, I, I think uh, being able to, do, I think being able to do something without kind of having the the worry of money behind it is is huge. Um, like you know, you're you're completely removed from that whole side of the story. Um, you're you're pure, you're untainted, Rebecca. That's yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Except except now I shill Philadelphia cheese, so I'm not entirely untainted. There's that like Philadelphia component to me, so I can't be trusted. You're shilling for big dairy, basically. That's what it is. Yeah, I've sold out. <laughs> well, look, if you're going to sell out to anything, something that can provide you with free dairy products sounds like a good company to shill out. I mean, it's a great source of protein. Got some calcium in there. Can't go wrong. Um, so we're th this like this conversation is going to be a little bit uh, less structured than most of mine because Rebecca and I know each other, um, and I can be a little less formal. Um, am I formal? Actually, I don't know. Um, but one thing that we did at the start of this is, if some of you, any if you, anybody watching this, so this is not not applicable to the podcast, um, but anybody watching this, we pinned a question, and the question we kind of decided on beforehand was, "What's your favorite flavor of monster?" And I said to Rebecca, I said. Um, I've only ever tasted one flavor of Monster, and I've also only ever tasted it once. And what was your response to that, Rebecca? I said, do you even fitness? Do, do you even fitness? And, and this, like, I, I don't. I clearly don't fitness. Uh, I'm not good at fitnessing. But um, here's the thing. I didn't really, like, I, I see Monster all the time, and I know it's a big thing with, like, some gym heads, and I see it on a lot of YouTube videos before people go to the gym. But Rebecca, you said that it's it's huge. Everybody does monster, and I don't, so I'm not cool. 
<laughs> Everyone does monster. <laughs> like it's a hard drug. <laughs> it's a it's a steroid. Um. Okay. So I guess I'm I, okay. When I say everybody, I don't literally mean a hundred percent of people. But I do feel like um the the younger generation um of like weightlifters um they they are all drinking monster either. Okay, so people drink it before the gym as pre-workout, that's fine. What annoys me is when people drink it in the gym because, like, obviously caffeine has a certain time before, like, and they're drinking it during their workout, which drives me nuts. So for people who don't know, um, caffeine generally takes about, like, 30, 45 minutes to actually, like, activate, to actually give you the energy boost. Um, So if you're drinking it during your workout, it's really not helping your workout unless you're there for, like, a very prolonged period of time. Um, But, yeah, I think it was it was I'm not sure how the craze with monsters started but it's definitely a um, kind of an influencer thing like a lot of youtubers like you're saying used it and then like I guess people enjoy pre-workout and it's a tasty way of getting caffeine in before a workout so it's just like I think a mix of influencing and then also some practicality of it has just made it a craze with fitness people a very good marketing campaign you know monster you uh, you end up training like a training like a beast right that's how it works it's actually so interesting, though, because as far as I know, Monster do not sponsor any athletes. And athletes have been asked, like, you know, like elite powerlifters or like really famous YouTube influencers have requested sponsorships. But Monster just don't affiliate with like the sports side of things, which is really weird because they're still exploiting that market. Like in America, you can get um like Monster Sport and like all of like targeted for gym goers, like Protein Monster is a thing now as well. Um. But it's like they're not actually affiliated with people as far as I know. I think Lane Norton gets crates of Monster shipped to his house. But I'm not sure if he gets that like at a discount from Monster. Like there is some affiliation. But he's the only person I've ever seen who gets it in like bulk. Right. Uh, just out of curiosity, how, how, many, how, how much Monster do you do on a daily basis? Do I do? Um, I actually have massively cut down. So it used to be that I'd have like one, one kind of Monster every day. Um, and well, one of the reasons for that is like I, I, base, I intermittent fast, not because of any magical benefits. I just tend to skip breakfast. Um, and then I was just kind of having Monster in the morning. Um, I like my caffeine tolerance is quite high. So I'd have Monster, which was essentially my coffee in the morning because I don't drink coffee. But after I actually moved here, um, I just like, I, I think I got out of the habit. I was, I basically traveled for three weeks before I moved to London. And during my travels, I wasn't drinking Monster, kind of got out of the habit. Once I got back, I was like, eh, I don't really like I'm not getting much from it. It's sort of a waste of money. Like I'm not using it as pre-workout. I was literally just using it as coffee. So um, now I think I drink Monster on my rest days when I go to do cardio, but I don't drink it before training. Um, I just normally have like a regular pre-workout supplement because it's got more beneficial things in it. Um, but yeah, so maybe like two or three, yeah, two day, two days a week, I'll have one can. Okay, so I think I think that's good. Very, very little. Okay, right. You've managed to uh, to curb that addiction. Good job. I'm not proud of you. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have said it was an addiction. It's more like it really does taste very enjoyable. So it was one of those things that, like, I would go to work, grab a can of Monster. And this, I mean, to an outsider, I'm sure that this sounds absolutely appalling for a nutritionist to be saying, but like genuinely, like there's no sugar, there's like no calories in it. There's nothing wrong with artificial sweeteners. It was essentially coffee, 
but a coffee that I enjoyed. Um, so it just gave me like a little caffeine buzz in the morning. Um, but like it was also that kind of caffeine buzz that I just didn't need. So yeah, once I moved, I was like, meh, it's, it's not worth spending like whatever it was, like 150 on a can every day for something that I'm not like gaining that much from. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've done the same thing. I've, I've reduced my coffee intake a lot. So I used to, at one point, I think when I first came to the UK, I think I was almost on four coffees a day, which was not good. Um, and mm. I reduced that down to like one a day just to kind of help with sleep. And just because I, I think, like like you said there, it can be very, very easy to, to get used to those higher intakes of coffee um, yeah. and kind of start cruising along thinking that this is what I'm normally functioning on. But like if you get off, get off them for a while, like you said, from your after your holiday, if you get off mm-hmm. for a while, you realize it's it's really really not an issue. It's just we we kind of fool ourselves into thinking we need these things. Yeah, um, I think so. And it's sort of like a, a societal thing as well, where like people expect to have withdrawals from coffee. And, like if you stop drinking it, and it's like everybody's kind of like, oh, I need my coffee in the morning to get going. But it's like, do you like have you actually tried to go without it without like kind of placeboing yourself into thinking that you need it, like that it's actually having some great effect on you when it might not be. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that like if like for example, if somebody's drinking four coffees a day and their sleep wasn't being affected, I would say that's like not a problem. Um, so unless like I mean, unless it is affecting people, I'm not going to say like there's nothing wrong with it. Is basically my point. It's just one of those things that if you find that it's a behavior that you want to cut down on, then that's cool too. More power to you. Um, one thing you, you did there while we were talking was um, you you were saying like uh, you mentioned something that you have, and then you said not that I'm telling other people to do that do you find like because you're you're kind of so active on social media and you know you you do put a lot of your life out on social media as well do you feel that you really really have to kind of let people know that just because i'm doing this doesn't mean that you should be doing this um and like is that something that you, you find to be a bit of an issue uh, massively. So I, I've actually cut down quite a lot on, so I used to do like full days of eating pretty regularly and people would ask for those. They liked seeing examples of meals and high protein intakes. Um, I actually haven't done a full day of eating, um, except for, so I got my wisdom teeth out last week and I thought it would be good to do like a day of eating on like essentially a liquid diet. But apart from that, I haven't done a full day of eating in probably like I don't know, four or five months. Um, And then before that, I was doing them like weekly or biweekly. And the reason for that is I don't want to set an expectation for people that they like, they need to eat like me to be like in any way healthy or to achieve their goals or anything like that. So like, I like for for me, I'm eating like at least 10 servings of vegetables every day. All of my meals are above 30 grams of protein. Like I'm eating what might be considered like an ideal way of eating for me but I don't want anybody to think that they need to eat like this or that it is like a practical way of eating because for many people it's not um and I feel like if I were to post those meals that I'd be setting a very high bar and that if people fall short of that 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 might you know like make them kind of demotivate them or make them feel like that they're not doing well enough and I just never want to make people feel like that um and it's just something I've kind of grown more conscious of over time like I'm very fortunate that I live in an area where I can get fresh veg and it's very easy for me to act to like access protein sources but maybe for somebody else like protein is can be expensive like trying to like going to a butcher maybe people can't afford to do that quite often um so it's it's like I don't I just don't want to kind of be the example that I want um like to be an example that I feel like other people might think that they need to 
kind of mimic. Um, instead, I sort of want to provide people with information that they can kind of take on themselves and then figure out, you know, what they what they do or don't want to do. I, and like, I'm quite conscious in my messaging that I'm like, you don't have to do this. I'm just giving you the information and you can take it or leave it as you wish. Um, it's not advice so much as it is like, hey, isn't this very interesting? Like, it's not instructional. It's more just educational. I hope that made sense. No, no, absolutely. I think it, when it comes to, let's say, those double, those, those, sorry, those full days of eating, it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword in a way. Um, I think, like, like you said, some people can look at it and think very, very literally, oh, well, uh, Rebecca's eating this. I should be eating this. Why am I not eating this? Or why, why is Rebecca eating this? What's so, what's so good about this one particular food um, or this one particular meal or whatever? Um, uh, but then on the other hand, you've also got, uh, you've got people who are like, Right, you know, I, I hear about all these things. I need to be, you know, getting like, you know, however many portions of vegetables and however, however many grams of protein and I should be getting like legumes in my diet or whatever. And they're like, what, what does that look like? How, how do I, how do I do that? Because I, I do know that there are genuinely some people who, um, are very, very far removed from food preparation. Um, and they kind of need a little bit of, an introduction to it to see how it goes. So I think there's definitely like, you know, an argument for and against, let's say, yeah. uh, those kind of uh, posts. I agree. Um, and I think like generally, so there's like, um, there's multiple accounts on Instagram that I follow that do like their feed is essentially just like what, you know, high protein meals look like or like easy mm -hmm. snacks, like high protein snacks, like they do infographics. And it's kind of it's something like if somebody really wanted to know, you know, what does a healthy meal look like? I'll either link back to the days of eating that I used to do. And I mean, they're not that far back on my feed because I don't post too regularly anymore. So like a couple, like three scrolls and you're probably going to find them. Um, but then it's also like a lot of people are doing this so I can sort of link off um i'm just i think i've grown, grown quite conscious that like um i I'm, I'm very privileged with the like amenities that i have around me like my job and the the benefits that it provides um and i just don't want anybody to kind of view view what i'm doing because i mean social media there's just you can't help but compare yourself to people and although my my feed is very much not like a social media look at my life type thing it's just nutrition i still find that that might happen and i just don't want people to kind of compare themselves to what i'm doing and the way that i'm living and feel that they that's a standard that they need to hit in order to be healthy or you know get their fitness goals um achieved um and I, yeah it's it's something that i've gone back and forth with over the last few months like i definitely don't have this figured out and it's not something that i would expect other people on their instagram to do but it's kind of like with the position that i'm in and like the following that i have i'm so conscious about the messages that i'm sending and the influence as such that that's having on people oh, absolutely I, I i think you know with anything that we put out when it comes to the world of nutrition we have to be very, very conscious of putting caveats uh, on things that we say. You know, like, you know, there there are very, very few universal rules that we can put out there or universal concepts. And we have to say, you know, this might be useful in this situation. This might be useful in that situation. And definitely won't be useful in this situation. And people need to be aware of that. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I think it's, it's really good that you're, you're, you're aware of that um, because I know a lot of people out there in the, in the Instagram sphere aren't uh, yeah. so that's um, well that's actually like such a good point right because so i've seen i'm not going to name any names okay but there's certain like personalities in the in this in this industry right and they've got a large following and it's actually not that they're 
followers start mimicking what they're doing but it's more like other people in the industry will start mimicking what they're doing so like um it's not, it doesn't happen as much anymore but a couple of years ago there was quite a large like call out culture so like larger people on instagram or like within the lifting community were like calling other people out um publicly and kind of trying to tarnish them in a way for putting out like whether it be like misinformation or like I don't know, like say somebody was teaching a lift wrong and they would be like, this person's an idiot. They don't know what they're doing. But like, you know, publicly through like their story or in a post rather than privately messaging them in a kind of polite way. Um, and other people started mimicking that. So it's like it's not just the example that you're setting for like your followers, but it's also like the tone that you're setting for like the sphere of the industry that you're in. Um and I found like, yeah, that call out culture kind of just like proliferated and like more and more people were doing it. And it was just kind of like it's a bit toxic to um for people to kind of be treating each other that way when you would never really talk to somebody like that in person. Um, So, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of conscious. Um, I go over a lot of things with the messages that I'm sending through Instagram and the way that I'm behaving. Like, say, for example, when it comes to the sponsor sponsorship stuff, like. I'm so conscious of like the way that that appears to people and making sure that people understand that it's like I'm not trying to shill out or like give like misinformation and expecting people to buy certain products and I kind of want to set an example of like what like ethical sponsorship or something like that would look like um yeah so it, there's like a lot of thought that goes into the the way that I want my Instagram to appear to people and the expectations that I'm setting I guess um i i think when you so when you got that uh, that sponsorship um uh, going you were very very i'm going to say very very thoughtful and very very cautious before going into it because i know that you you kind of you asked some of your uh, followers and fans what did they think was it a good idea to go ahead with it and and the way you you kind of described it to people was it was a product that you would use um mm-hmm. and it was something that you would be happy to speak uh, sort of happy to support um and i i think that kind of says it all you know it's it's not like you're going off and you're you know set, trying to sell some sort of you know detox teas or pills or something like that but you're selling a product that you already use that you think is very very useful for people's diets um yeah. and if you're going to if you're going to like say mention that because we all mention things on on um on social media all the time my god i i wish i could get like uh what food do i put on social media all the time i wish i could get a sponsorship from broccoli um i think that would be <laughs> probably not going to happen but like yeah i think you know the way you went about it was absolutely you know it was full of integrity and it was you know absolutely sound yeah i mean okay so like i agree with everything that you just said but also okay so like philadelphia cheese literally i use that like every other week i buy it all the time constantly using it there's other products that i use constantly so say like um pre workout for my protein i use that every day before the gym if my protein offered me some kind of partnership I don't think that I would take it because as a like they have fantastic supplements like I am a huge fan of their vitamin range like their pre-workouts their whey protein are all amazing quality but they also sell fat burners and a few other products that I just like their uses I don't agree with them I don't like the marketing messages that they put out about them um like especially like towards women like I just I don't agree with some of their marketing so it's like for me even though i use these products every day and i find value in them um it's still like a name that maybe i don't want to associate with because of the other stuff that they sell so it's it's like so like so much thought went into that philadelphia thing cuz i just like there were so many like potential ramifications of it and the way 
that I like appeared. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope that it did come across as something that I um, was like trying to manage with integrity because that was really important. And I don't think it's something that I'm going to be doing often because I'm so like hesitant to, and it's really not the goal of my Instagram. Like I mentioned earlier, I just, I don't have any intention of making money off Instagram. It's just not why I do it. Like I have a full-time job and I'm super happy in that. So the whole partnership thing, like I was like, cool, yay, I get more Philadelphia, fantastic. Um, But other than that, I'm like, it's not something I want to do too often. No, but it's 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 great to hear it because, you know, like it's a breath of fresh air to hear it be, that you did it that way and that you actually deliberated about it and, you know, you put thought into it because most people would be like, oh, ching right? Like, you know, I'm, I'll just, yes, yeah, sign me up. Um, you know, where, where do I put my ex? Where do I sell my soul? Um, but you didn't, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, you still have your soul. Good job. Yay. <laughs> um, so w- one thing that you, you, you mentioned, um, I, I, and I'm, go- I'm going to try and bring some sort of structure because we, we do, we, you know, we, we did discuss a few things that we might like to talk about in, in this, um, in the call. Um, just because you brought it up already, uh, the whole call out culture, um, and like you know yourself, I'm not a I'm not a fan of that my, uh, myself. Um, so I think we're seeing a proliferation of it still um, these days, and we're seeing a proliferation of it coming from um, I would, and I'm going to say that the evidence based nutrition movement. Okay, um, whatever way you want to interpret that. Um, and I know that, you know, actually, before we go any further on that, what are your thoughts on the current evidence-based nutrition movements? Because there, there's a lot of stuff that could be said about it. I have, you know, we spoke about this a little earlier, but I'd like to hear your own thoughts. Yeah. Um, okay. So when I, when I got into nutrition, the like evidence-based nutrition was still kind of like, I don't want to say like an underground movement, but it was still like, it wasn't that popular. Like there was a few people who were really trying to push, like, listen, research, like there is research on this stuff and stop blindly promoting nutrition strategies and diets that don't have a backing to them. And there's a way to go about this that is like rigorous and supported. And if we have open questions, there's a way to find out the answers. Um, And that was very much the, the, the kind of the messaging I was trying to surround myself with. So I was following people who were either researchers in the industry um, or kind of science communicators. And everybody sort of within that bubble was kind of of a similar mindset. Like they would read research. They were quite well educated on reading research. Um, and there is like that critical thinking component. So being able to read a piece of research and, you know, not immediately jumping off the back of that and being like this one paper says this one thing. And I'm not going to go read any other research. This is the, this is my stance. It was more like, okay, I'll read this one, one research paper. I will compare it to the rest of the evidence that is available. Um, and kind of like just, I guess being sort of unbiased in your approach to research and science. Um, that's kind of where I entered evidence based. And it was kind of like to be an evidence-based practitioner, you would take the science that was available, like your own expertise. Like, so you, like if you, if you have had multiple clients or multiple people come to you, you have a level of knowledge and yes, it's anecdotal, but you have a lot of experience and that is still some form of evidence. And then you also have like individual preferences. So it's like this whole, like this whole circle of like what evidence-based practice means. It's not just 
reading an abstract of a paper and then shouting about it or saying like everybody knows that like artificial sweeteners aren't bad for you you're an idiot if you think otherwise and you don't understand science it's not that it's just not that and it wasn't that I I feel like it wasn't that when I sort of entered it in the last couple of years like evidence-based has become more and more popular there's a lot of like evidence-based courses coming out from like around the world and it's just it's sort of like a trendy thing right now to be evidence-based but what I've been seeing is that people are doing evidence-based courses but coming out like kind of what I was just saying like shouting facts but not really internalizing like critical thinking they're sort of just um echoing like facts that they've heard rather than going to the source and being like okay well where does this fact sit in the like wealth of the literature and like you know kind of forming their own opinions about things they're just taking the opinions of whoever taught them the evidence and making it their own opinion um and it's just it, yeah, I mean, and I'm not painting everybody with the same brush. There's absolutely people who um, do have critical thinking and they do read all of the research and they are kind of that unbiased um, way towards towards nutrition. But so many people are doing these evidence-based courses and you can see it when you log on to Instagram. It's like everybody is just kind of posting the same stuff like, hey, artificial sweeteners aren't bad for you. And it's just like, okay, cool. The next that this intake clearly just finished this module, um, and like it's it's kind of like there's not there's not um much individual like contributions. It's more just like echoing of the one message, um, and yeah, it's kind of it's like a dilution of what evidence based means, and it's not, it's yeah, it's like evidence evidence based just wasn't what it was. Oh hey, Rab. Oh hey, Rab. Indeed, I just saw. Um, it, it, it's funny, like that you you ended on that evidence base is not it's not what it used to be. Let's say, um, and like I was actually I had this conversation with um, Rabin Das, who's just signed on. Um, uh, I had a conversation with him about two weeks ago, and I said that what I when I use the word evidence based nutrition now, I cringe a little bit because it it's not what we wanted it to be it to be a few years ago. Um, it's kind yeah. of turned into something else. And like I, I just think, you know, when you mentioned there about um, you know people coming off different courses, I, I see that a, a lot of courses or a lot of individuals who are claiming to, let's say, teach or the importance of critical thinking, don't seem to do that in the people who graduate from these courses. A lot of, I, and, and I want to be clear that I, I don't feel that about everybody, and I think it would be terrible to paint everybody with the same brush. But you have a lot of individuals who graduate from these courses, um, and obviously, critical thinking is is a huge aspect of science because you know you need to be able to form um, an educated, and I'm using opinion here in, in inverted commas. Um, on a subject based on, let's say, the body of literature that we have. And I think a huge aspect of critical thinking is having a, a let's say, a point of view that's malleable um, based on new information that comes yes. in. So you should be willing to change your your thoughts on a certain topic when you've got new, when you're presented with new information. That's just kind of the, the basis of science. You know, we, 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 we give our thoughts based on what we know. And if we know something new, we have to. Ch- we may have to change our thoughts, and a lot of people yeah. aren't doing that. They're just like you said. They're they're rote learning facts 
from you know whoever their their nutrition guru is at the time and they're just regurgitating those facts and i think a lot of that has led to um this whole movement of calling out where people's like well you know my favorite instagrammer says this so i'm going to say this and if you say otherwise you're an idiot i don't know why i put on the accent but it just seemed appropriate at the time it was great <laughs> but yeah that's that's just kind of like what i feel feel is happening at the moment where, like where do you feel things kind of went pear shaped yeah okay there's a couple of things that you said there that i definitely want to comment on so like You said that like evidence based isn't what it used to be, which is really interesting the way that you phrase that because it's like it's like it's like it's not it's it's like a, it's a concept rather than a practice, I guess. So like ev- like we got the whole evidence based practice from medicine, right? So like if this isn't a nutrition thing, we took it from another discipline and we tried to adapt it. We tried to be more like um deliberate with or attempts to understand questions and answer questions and that's just what science is we're all just trying to answer questions get closer to the the truth um but now it's like it's that practice still exists but there's this buzzword of evidence based which is completely separate to what evidence based practice actually is they're like two totally separate things um so i think like in terms of like where it all went pear shaped i humans okay like humans are so flawed and it's like they we all have a tendency to idolize certain people and kind of get get together in groups and form packs around okay dean's comment just threw me there um <laughs> anyway wrong but anyway um yeah so we all have a tendency as humans to just like be sheep we get behind certain movements like whether it be like veganism or something we try to identify with something and we identify these gurus who are leaders and we look up to them they're strong confident they have great messaging um and we just you know we we follow people that is just normal human behavior is to follow people and i think that's probably where maybe some of this has started and um, it's the same it's like right now there's this evidence based trend and there's these leaders these gurus within this evidence base but also there's like these gurus i mean charles poliquin was one of them in a completely different direction not evidence based at all but still people had that same passion that same rigor of calling out people trying to say no you're wrong like this this theory is correct like here's all of this proof and it's just i mean it's just kind of it goes in circles like people get behind trends and right now it's trendy because there's these like kind of charismatic characters at the forefront leading evidence based things and these courses are set up by charismatic people and like i can think of a lot like so many people that i followed since like i don't know like 2013 2014 are have now got evidence based courses and it's just like they're moving with the times as well they can tell that it's a popular thing so they're setting that up and they're including it in their messaging um and i yeah i just think people are starting to follow that i don't know if there's like any one thing that triggered it i just think it's part of being human and i also think that's one of the things to do with critical thinking like critical thinking is like it's a skill and it's not it's not necessarily something that can always be taught because like i i remember being in my degree like my psychology degree and being taught things that not until years later did i actually like did they click with me that like i then internalized them and i was like wait now i actually have a proper understanding and i can think of this in like like 
like the way that they wanted me to, but they kind of taught it incorrectly. Um, and I think the same thing maybe goes for for critical thinking. It's like it is a skill and skills need to be taught in a very particular way. Um, and I don't know if that's happening a lot with with these courses. Um, I, I think uh, you you mentioned something particularly uh interesting there when you, you said that people are looking for a sense of community and I think that's absolutely spot on and I, I think um, people striving for that sense of community is a huge reason that we have these groups and, and more specifically these divisions within the world of nutrition at the moment um, because people can identify with people other people who have similar views to them um, and they feel more secure in groups of people like that so if you if you're in let's say not, not even if you're in a specific group, but if you have a specific uh, way of thinking when it comes to a certain concept, um, you know that you've got other people from your group who will back up whatever you say and you feel a little bit more comfortable with that. And, and that's, that's perfectly normal. Like you said, like you started this, that, that, that whole thread was humans. Humans act in a specific way. And like you know this way better than I because you're you know, a, a psychologist. Um, and we, we want, we, we, we so want to feel part of something. Um, whether it's, you know, groups of people who associate with being vegans or people who associate as being carnivores. And they develop a way of thinking around that. And unfortunately, that way of thinking loses a lot of crit critical thought because you become very, very dogmatic. And you're like, well, you know, the leaders or the main people in this group say a certain thing. I don't need to think about it because they've done the thinking for me. Um, and that kind of brings us back to, to what you said about critical thinking being a skill that you really really need to practice i think it's it's something that you can learn definitely and like i, I know people have come up come to me and, and a few times and they've said like you know how do i go about reading a scientific paper what like what do i need to do like you know to, to understand it because it can be a little bit daunting for people uh, at first and like the thing i say the whole time is it's like start reading read more and more and more um until you get better at it and like you know if you want to compare yourself like you know it's it's good to like one thing i say is read a paper that you know that has already been reviewed by somebody else, read the paper first without reading the review, write down your thoughts and then read the review and see, you know, where, where, you know, where the similarities lie. But people need to get better at that. People need to learn to think more for themselves. But thinking is hard. Thinking is, thinking is so hard. Like, could we just like not do the thinking thing at all? Um, no, I think you're, you're completely right. But then also, so like this kind of gets into, you're talking about people who are motivated, right? They want to know, they've just come to you and they've said, Hey, I want to read research. Like that yeah. alone is like, they are probably like at the top end. Um, I have like, so again, like part of feeling community, you want to do what everybody in your community is doing. You want to share similar experiences. So, like, if I really look up to a particular guru and they have a course, then I want to do the course because everybody else who I like, who loves them and, like, we're all talking about them is also going to do that course. And, like, my motivations for doing the course maybe aren't in the right place then. And I'm not going into it with the the kind of the idea that I'm, like, going to get skills out of this, that I'm going to become a more critical thinker, that I'm, like, it's, a, it's like a personal development thing almost. And um, it's very much like I'm going to say that I did this and I'm going to get to meet my guru and like all of this kind of stuff. So I think like people are getting into courses for different reasons. Um, and I mean, this is across the board, no matter what industry or discipline that you're talking about. But it's just especially I guess it's especially annoying for like people like you and I who kind of 
really care about the science of things when people who are doing it for kind of like not the best reasons come along and they're like yeah I'm evidence-based I hashtag science and you're like have you ever actually read like a full research paper in your life um like you did this course because you admired this person not because you're like actually motivated to understand research like there's just there's so many components that go into it and then it's like frustrating but I mean at the same time like I'm like yeah I'm like a true science evidence-based person and like I'm not either like I'm sure that I there's things that I do that aren't like completely aligned with that practice especially seeing as I'm not a practitioner but like yeah we all have falls and like we're all in their little groups and things and I just I don't ever anticipate that something that will change but like I think we do it's just yeah it's frustrating for for us at the moment yeah I I, I think you know you, you nailed it there it's it's become very very much a status symbol um you know Who, who who do you who do you idolize in the industry who do you think is you know who's doing well for themselves oh I'm going to do that course um, and I, I think you unfortunately you lose a little bit of yeah you know people graduating from a course is great and it's great that we're getting more people you know in that are thinking more about evidence-based practice but we're not getting a lot of people that are really into the evidence-based practice. They're, they're, they're happy to kind of wear that mantle of an evidence-based practitioner instead. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, a, that was an, an interesting segue that we just went yeah. uh, off on there. Um, no, that was really good, yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I wanted to ask you, so obviously, you know, we, we, we've spoken about, like, the importance of critical thinking and kind of doing our own research and... Um, genuinely thinking about science and formulating our own opinions and stuff, where do you get a lot of your information? Because, like, Rebecca, you're a wealth of information on so many different aspects of nutrition, and I know that that stems from, like, a deep, like, let's say, passion for, for just learning about it. But where do you, where are your go-to sources for information um, for yourself? How do you do your research yourself? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So it varies, right? It varies depending. I'm gonna say on the time of the year. Um. So let's say I started studying when I was in college. So that would have been like four and a half years ago, we'll say. And at that time, I kind of got introduced to things through Reddit, which is like obviously not an evidence-based source, but like people were actually referencing good resources on there. And some of those resources were podcasts. So I started following podcasts like Lane Norton's podcast at the time, which was like one of the evidence-based podcasts. Um, I started, so basically I started with podcasts. Um, from podcasts, I found various researchers to follow because oftentimes podcasts would um, like interview researchers. So then I would be able to kind of search for them and like what they're doing. Um, and I guess that was kind of my entry to be like, oh, people research this stuff. They publish these things, all of that kind of stuff. Um, right now, I think I've got like multiple streams of like information that I, I, I can't manage, to be honest. So it, that's why I'm saying it depends on the year. So right now, like I've moved country, I have a new job, I'm traveling a lot. Um, like there's so much going on that I do not have, like being completely honest, I have not read a research paper fully in weeks. Um, and it's all like in saying that I'm like, oh, I'm like a terrible, like I'm a terrible nutrition person. But at the same time, it's like 
no, I have all of these other responsibilities and me missing a research paper. Like there was this, you know, the red meat research paper that came out a couple of weeks ago. Everybody was buzzing about it. I have not read that. And it's like, I don't feel comfortable admitting that. I feel like I'm doing something wrong by saying I haven't read that. But also, I don't care about red meat. It's not like it's it's like it's one of those things that I'm like, yeah, I can like I can reference all of the research that's been done so far. Like I understand where in the broader landscape of nutrition this fits. This one research paper which conflicts maybe some of the information that's put out. I don't care about it because in the wider landscape, I can understand where it fits without having to read it. And all of the people that I trust, like the resources that I follow, have referenced this paper, put out their thoughts about it. I trust them. So I kind of know where it sits in the overall literature. I'm too busy right now to read that paper. And I think that that's okay. Anyway, that was a tangent. So right now, like when I'm super, super busy, um, I walk a lot so I walk sometimes I walk to work and then I will always walk back from work sometimes I cycle to work um, but when I'm walking back from work I listen to podcasts when I'm walking from the gym to work I listen to podcasts like whenever I'm walking I have a podcast and I'm listening to that so there's amazing evidence-based podcasts like this one for example and it's like if you listen to these podcasts you're literally hearing fresh information from people who are like like researching the area that they're talking about or they're very very close to the whatever area so they might be like a phd student and they're like uh, they've like done a literature a very comprehensive literature review on one particular area so that's like right now that is my primary well what it's one of my primary ways then on the weekends um I try so if there's a new research review out I'm subscribed to like a bunch of research reviews so I will I will go through my inbox all my research reviews get sent to one particular folder so I'll go through my inbox I'll see what research has been like reviewed um again I won't read everything I'll pick out the ones that I'm particularly interested in and read those and then if I'm like interested in the paper that they're talking about then I will just go and read that if I haven't like heard about it or seen it already and then I also have um I use pub crawler I don't know if you use pub crawler but it's essentially like um a keyword search so you enter your keywords that you're interested in so for example I have like a keyword search for uh, metabolically healthy obese so every weekend on a Saturday that that, that that search engine goes through all of the research reviewed or the research published in the last week that has that keyword phrase in it and it will send it to my inbox so I'll be able to get that email and then go through all of the papers with metabolically healthy obese in in there somewhere um so I've loads of keyword terms set up and I'll just go through the papers that I'm interested in there's also like um let me see weightology um obesity and energetics and then i also have um journal toc which is journal table of contents so that is again i get an email of like what journals i'm interested in and their table of contents so if there's any papers in there i'll click in and i'll read them again i have 25 emails in that folder right now from like the last i don't know three or four weeks because i just haven't had time to read anything because like this weekend i was in paris last weekend i was in paris Two weeks before that, like the full two weeks I was in America, like I just haven't been around. But I will go through them all eventually. This is all a very long way of saying podcasts, research reviews, and then I've got loads of emails set up for like keeping up with the research and then just following people on Instagram. So like seeing like stuff that you put out, stuff that like Alan Flanagan put, puts out, like key people that I'm, I like how all of the key people are like Irish people like Danny Lennon. Um, there's like pe really, really great people on Instagram putting out research based content 
that you can you can literally turn your Instagram into like a learning platform if you wanted to and that's essentially what mine is my Instagram feed is filled with like research from like people researching gut health or whatever it is and then also pictures of like tattoos but it's like a mix of learning and tattoos I, I think actually you gave a really really good kind of um uh let's say balanced way of looking at research so I I know the struggles of like having research building up and not being able to look at it and you're just like oh, I'll get around to it eventually. Um and like some of the the latter things that you mentioned there um like you know the the obesity energetics review uh the 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 other kind of subscriptions that you have those are a really really good way for what I think uh let's say practitioners could potentially look at especially if you are a nutrition focused practitioner there are great way to keep yourself up to date with information um and then on the other side of things and this is something that I've been doing recently um more while well, doing more recently is um the podcasts and I think it's fantastic because we all do spend a certain amount of time in transit um that's so like you know you're you uh you probably use public transport in London is that where you're doing all of your listening Um it's actually just when I'm like walking. Um I I'm quite fortunate I live fairly close to everything but also when I'm on public transport, when I'm on planes as well because I'm traveling a lot, I'll download loads of podcasts. And that's also like an ideal time to read research. I'll like download research papers and read them when I'm flying. But, yeah. So yeah, and I do I what I do is I whenever I'm cycling because I I cycle to work. I realize, you know, I've got this 20 minutes in, 20 minutes out. I could be using that more productively. what can i do and podcasts are absolutely fantastic you know and there's a lot of crappy podcasts out there but there's a lot of fantastic ones out there too and like you know you mentioned um Danny like Danny Lennon like Sigma Nutrition Podcast is it is the nutrition podcast like you know if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what Sigma Nutrition is stop listening i don't i i won't be offended if you stop listening right now and you go off and find Sigma Nutrition and just subscribe to that stuff cuz Danny puts out great content um Any other good podcasts off the top of your head? I I can think of a few I I think I I know if you're going to mention. Yeah, so my favorite ones right now are the Stronger by Science one and uh Iron Iron what's it called? Um Iron Culture. Yeah, Iron Culture. Um they're relatively like new on the scene but they're just so funny like I I, I heard them. Stronger by Science one was the first ever fitness podcast. Oh true actually yeah you are correct it is the first ever fitness podcast um but no those two are fantastic and then of course yes uh Danny Lennon's let me see um who else do I listen to quite regularly um it it kind of depends so like basically I'm subscribed to a lot of podcasts um but I kind of tend to like filter through by what the topic is and who's actually talking about it um there's I don't listen to this one so much anymore but the uh Guru Performance which is um the International Society of Sports Nutrition's podcast so that was one when I kind of started getting into nutrition that was really really good but to be honest the uh the host of it his he drives me crazy so I just can't listen to him anymore um but the t- the content is fantastic it is like he gets a lot of researchers on it's really really good um who else is really good I don't know what are yours I feel like you'll mention some and I'll be like oh yeah Now, so you, you mentioned like Stronger by Science and Iron Culture, which I absolutely love. Um, really, really good relationships because I think that, you know, you've got multiple hosts and I just really think that the banter that they generate is fantastic. One that I really, really like a lot is, and because I, I know some of the guys on it, is um, the Fitness Unfiltered um, podcast. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Like that's with Dan Osman and um, uh, Dr. Mike and with Emma Story Gordon. I love it just because there's great banter with the guys and 
they don't talk science all the time, but they talk about very, very relevant matters in nutrition. And I think, you know, they, they, that's something that, you know, very, very purely science-focused podcasts often miss a trick on. And it's really, really good to kind of delve into some of those, you know, um, the more emotional issues that go on or the more societal issues that happen uh, around nutrition. Uh, but that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I also, you just sparked me, my memory, but uh, Revive Stronger is also quite good. They kind of do like a mix of nutrition and like lifting stuff, but they're fantastic as well. Um, I'm definitely going to get off this and then look at my podcast list and be like, <laughs> how did I forget all of these? Um, who else? There's definitely a bunch, but I can send them to you after if you want to like, I don't know, put them in the description or something. Um, but no, podcasts, podcasts are like, they're just so great. And also like pro tip is listening to them on a faster speed so yes. I, on like, I listen to mine on double speed but that actually drives my boyfriend insane so I recommend maybe starting on like you know 1.25 or 1.5 and seeing how you get on but I love double speed now because I'm like oh so much knowledge so quickly I, I do I do 1.25 myself just because like I've tried two and if, if I'm cycling there's a little bit of concentration going in other things you know like trying to keep me alive yeah. but um <laughs> And I don't take in all of the information. I know that for a fact. So I just kind of like to slow it down. But like, wow, Rebecca, two, that is, that's good going. I, I built up to it over time because like, I remember trying to listen to it on two when I first started listening to podcasts faster. And I was like, I couldn't understand it all, at all. But um, something I learned, so I work for, I work in tech um, and I used to work um, with a team quite briefly who built, who were focused on accessibility. So um, they were we were working with screen readers for uh, blind people. So screen readers, essentially, they're like a software that you can plug into your browser. They read everything on the screen so that if you're uh, blind and you can't see, the screen reader will call out like this. You're like, this is a button. It says, but you cannot under as a like a regular like a sighted person you cannot understand what a screen reader says because it's so fast there's no there's you just cannot you can't comprehend it it just sounds kind of like noise but through that work i realized that like you can train yourself to listen much faster so blind people can listen that so so quickly so their screen readers are at like i don't even know what speed they're at um but like to a regular person they can't understand them but that's when i learned that you can basically train yourself to hear faster so you can keep pushing up your um speed and you will your brain will adapt to it um which is pretty interesting i i do i do videos on youtube at double speed and i think it's i can get through those just because i'm looking at the same time and i think that speeds that that gets me through it but uh, i do all of my cooking shows at double speed on the internet um, oh, okay. <laughs> um somebody just mentioned um the iron fitness uh, iron paradise fitness podcast as well with simon mitchell another great podcast um so shout out to simon if you have that. rebecca like we have not covered uh anything that we were supposed to well we have covered some of the stuff that well, we like we completely went off topic and didn't go on the topic that this uh, this talk was titled, um, but it was fun and I had a lot of fun doing it. And I just want to say thank you so much for doing it. Before we finish up, um, how can people find you? Uh, literally just Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> I am at T to Triceps on Instagram. So it's at T full stop two full stop triceps, and the T O is it's T O. Um, but yeah, it's. It's, I, I, I don't have anything else. There was a time where I was toying with setting up a website, but it never happened. Um, but yes, this was so good. And maybe we can do like a part two, like in a couple of months, um, to actually cover nutrition topics. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh God, we, we we might like need to try and be a little bit more structured with it, but um, I'm I'm sure we we might be able to stick to a script or something if we if we implement that. But this was fun as well. Um, Rebecca, it's it's been an absolute blast. Always good talking to you. Um, and yeah, just so everyone knows, Rebecca was my uh, was my seat buddy for uh, the the uh, European Powerlifting Conference. Um, that was the last time I saw you, which is like two months ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was really good. That was fun. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. Okay, this was actually really fun. I enjoyed doing it. Um, I will happily do part two if you want to awesome. do part two. Uh, great banter. <laughs> yeah. um, Rebecca, thank you. Um, have a great night. And uh, I'll be talking again to you very, very soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Health Scientist Podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed and maybe even learned something from what we've spoken about today. Um, if you did, please, please, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps spread word of the podcast to new listeners. Uh, if you ever want to watch one of the podcasts live or ask questions to any of the guests, you can do so by following me on Instagram at be more nutrition. That's at be underscore more underscore nutrition. I'd also love to hear your comments and feedback about the podcast, so please feel free to comment on the podcast post or send me a message directly on Instagram. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I'll be back soon with another podcast. See you then.